Fox's troubles keep mounting. Word today that there is an effort underway to somehow get the entire network off the air. I've got some details on that. Meanwhile, wow, uh, it seems maybe, maybe just maybe, we might be inching a little bit closer to seeing an impeachment trial there in Washington, D.C. That would be for none other than Joe Biden, because more and more information keeps coming forward, including some things that... Victor Shokin, who was the prosecutor going after Burisma because because of this unseemly relationship between Hunter Biden and the company itself. Well, some of these things are now coming to light and they could actually cause Kevin McCarthy to finally flip the switch and go for impeachment. We've got some sound from Kevin McCarthy. I want to share with you all happening as we get these court dates in. And oh, what do you know? Fannie Willis, she got that September 6, 2024. Lucky her. Right. Right before the election. And they want to say there's no interference going on. My goodness. My goodness. And uh, well, more bad news for Bud Light as Dylan Mulvaney does some kind of victory lap. Oh my God! Hi! You know, I'm really shocked because I thought the only award I would ever maybe win was maybe a Tony Award, but now I'm a musical theater gal with a streamy! Yeah, that's streamy. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna get to a little bit more of that, including some very, very bad news. More of it! I mean, it feels like every day coming for bad, uh, bad news coming for Bud Light. I'll, I'll share that with you. Welcome to the program, everyone. I am Trish Regan. Great to have you here on this live edition. We are streaming so I can see all of your comments. Great to have so many of you here, so many familiar faces. I see some new ones as well. We'll get to some in the comments in just a little bit, but weigh in on the chat uh, and let me know what you think in the comments below. We are brought to you in part, as always, by LegacyPMInvestments.com. If you're interested in investing in gold or silver, call them at 1-866-589-0560. Wow. All right. Let's, let's start the day here with uh, some of this Fox stuff. Um, not, not, not good for, let me just, let me just get this out there and say, regardless of what I think of Fox, and that's very little, I, I would say that we want as a society to have as many viewpoints as possible on the air. So it's not necessarily a good thing when you see maybe the FCC entertaining some ideas of taking certain networks off. But we do have certain rules that are in place. The rules were sort of changed back in the 1980s to allow for a little bit more flexibility in terms of opinion. Well, some people now want those rules to change again so that they can get certain viewpoints off the air. And that viewpoint would include, of course, Fox. Probably would include Newsmax or anybody else who kind of stepped out of line, if you would, as well. But let me share with you something that Reed Hunt, he was the head of the FCC under Bill Clinton, said uh, he's referring, of course, to the Dominion stuff with Fox. And he said these licenses, these are the broadcast licenses that Fox has, these licenses are supposed to be held only if you serve the public interest intentionally lying doesn't serve the public interest. And he's referring, of course, to the Dominion suit, et cetera, and everything that came out and the text messages back and forth. Well, let me just say, intentional lying lying definitely doesn't serve the public interest, which is one of the reasons why you actually do need more networks, because I do recall another network or two or three, how how many do they control? (laughs) Lying about that Hunter Biden laptop trying to insist that it was somehow misinformation when, in fact, it was not. And those that actually reported on it as a serious story were penalized, including the New York Post having its Twitter account shut down. 
So let's never forget that. Anyway, Fox has enough trouble, right? You get the rating situation ever since Tucker left, and then you get all these legal troubles. I mean, hey, it, it, they're not out of the woods because they just settled with Dominion for nearly a billion dollars, and now they got to deal with Smartmatic, who's looking for even more money. So this is a company that is indeed on the edge. I mean, I, I couldn't believe they settled. I think it's a bad thing, frankly, for journalism. But <laughs> clearly, Dominion must have had something, something indeed. And it makes you wonder, does it not, whether or not that had anything to do with, in fact, Fox parting ways with Tucker Carlson? Because, again, this FCC stuff and these broadcast licenses that could come back to haunt the company in other words, the FCC is allowing you to broadcast. Well, they don't have to worry about that, frankly, with cable, right? Because cable doesn't need those licenses. And they don't have to worry about it with streaming because, you know, in streaming, you don't need any specific kind of license. But in broadcast news, of which they still have a lot of stations, right? Broadcast networks, when they have those affiliate deals, they need to have that approval from the federal government. And so if that was at all in jeopardy, I, I could see a situation, right, where management is like, oh, we're going to cut the cord. We're going to cut the cord with this guy and that one and that one and Dan Bongino and Lou Dobbs. Oh, Trish Regan, because, you know, she said what everyone was thinking about how we should not shut down the economy in the middle of COVID and not overreact because there is a whole set of economic danger, danger signals that w- would come with that, right? So I hate to say I told you so. Anyway, I, I, I do think that this is a company, I mean, I, I just say this as somebody who watches the market, that I would be very wary of investing in, in part because of not just what happened with Dominion, but what is coming with Smartmatic and then, of course, this whole FCC thing. I don't like it. Trust me, I don't like it. And I really don't like this. But this is a group of people that are uh, very angry at Fox, including actually uh, kind of a never Trumper guy, Bill Crystal. Anyway, he said, and I, I quote from this letter that they sent to the FCC, <laughs> Rupert and Lachlan, you know, they have this uh, authority for all the decision making at both Fox News and Fox Station Group, and they are not of the proper character, effectively. You know, the idea is you have to have the proper character in order to have these broadcast licenses, and they're making the point that they have this giant, giant scope, and we know that they don't have the proper character because of the whole Dominion thing, et cetera, et cetera. So they filed this letter, and they're trying to get a hearing to see whether or not Fox should be able to continue its licenses. This is a company that is certainly facing a whole series of problems I mean, not just the fact that they fired Tucker, their main star, and he went over there and did some little interview with Donald Trump, which scored, oh, what, what's it up to now, guys? Some 250 million views versus 12.8 million Nielsen views there on the regular old TV screen. I mean, the, the world is changing. That's the other thing that's so problematic for a company like Fox. And frankly, not to pick on them, but any cable company right now, MSNBC has the same issue. CNN has the same issue. If they can't stream, if they can't go direct to you like I am right now, and they can't because of all these cable agreements, they become sort of superfluous in that they become a very much dying industry, a dinosaur in which they're not going to see the same kind of growth potential as all the other guys including all of us over here. By the way, quick reminder, if you have not subscribed, do me that favor. Make sure you subscribe to this channel. It's really, really important. Love having you here. As I said, we are also Facebook on Facebook Live. We are on YouTube Live and on Rumble. So great to have you all. Anyway, let's get to this impeachment issue because we keep waiting and waiting and waiting. 
And I, I, I feel like some of these, some of these Republicans are just a little bit weak and a little bit nervous, but the evidence keeps coming in. And when Joe Biden sits there with a straight face and tells us how proud he is of his son and how he had nothing to do with anything and tells us this over and over and over again, including, by the way, on the campaign trail, when Donald Trump tried to say, hey, what about that $83,000 a month that your son is getting for some board job at an energy company in Ukraine? He knows nothing about the energy industry. And Biden says, my son did nothing wrong. Come on. I mean, here you are legally going after Donald Trump because the idea is, oh, he knew something but said something else. What about Joe Biden? I mean, forget about that, by the way, because I think you ought to be able to say whatever you want to say. And if you want to defend your son, go for it. Defend your son. And if you want to have a particular spin on something, that's your business. But what Joe Biden may have done in this particular situation, I think, is all the more concerning, even if he wasn't very forthcoming. The fact that his son was running around creating 20 different LLCs, taking diamonds from Chinese billionaires and getting payouts from Romania and Ukraine. I mean, this is sort of wild stuff, not to mention not bothering to pay his taxes on any of it. I mean, look, you know, you had me at taxes, for goodness sakes. The guy makes all this money from all these international sources, doesn't pay his taxes on it and then gets hit with 170 SARS suspicious activity reports. And his banks are filing these things, six different U.S. major banks, including Bank of America and J.P. Morgan Chase. They're sending this off to Treasury and nobody cares enough to say, boo, that ought to be grounds for impeachment, which is exactly what my former colleague, Maria Bartiromo, nice lady that she is. I have a lot of respect for her. She did ask this question to McCarthy on Sunday. Watch. Only because Republicans took the majority have we found out what President Biden told us when he was running for office is not true. He, he said he never had any dealings with his son's business, and that he never even talked to him. We've now found out not only did he call into the meetings, he went to dinner, and after the dinner, Hunter Biden got a new Porsche, that there was <laughs> 3.5 million transferred. We now found out as he was a sitting vice president, the family created 20 shell companies. They received 16 of 17 payments from Romania, while he was vice president. We now found that the money would flow to nine family members. He has to continue to change this. But since then, we found a movement of his administration of weaponization. We found that now the uh, special prosecutor, David Weiss, actually let the statute of limitations run out on Hunter Biden's taxes. We found that the FBI actually informed Hunter Biden and the inaugural committee prior to our ability to go and interview him. We also have a DOJ that um, gave us, tried to give a sweetheart deal to Hunter Biden, and the judge said no. So if you look at all the information we've been able to gather so far, it is a natural step forward that you would have Indeed. to go to an impeachment inquiry. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. So we're still waiting. We're still waiting, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's get the show on the road because you just put together there a very, very compelling case for the American public to have more information for the house to be asking more questions. We didn't even get into the 170 SARS violations, but in other words, if Hunter Biden was out there selling access to the Oval Office, that would be just flat-out wrong, okay? Wrong, 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 wrong. It, beyond wrong. I mean, like, this is, this is really, really bad stuff. And frankly, if Joe Biden knew anything about it, which you have to assume the guy did, 
I mean, for goodness sakes, it's his son. He was calling into the business meetings over and over again. As Kevin McCarthy pointed out, he he made a phone call into that meeting. And what do you know? Boom, presto, a Porsche shows up the next day. I'm sorry. But if you don't see the connection between the two, then, you know, you, you, you got other issues. You got other issues. Meanwhile, somebody else saw the connection between all of it, and that would be none other than Victor Shokin, who was the prosecutor who was in charge of going after Burisma, which was a really shady energy company that had just hired Joe Biden. He sat down with Fox just the other night. Here's what he had to say. That there were illegal activities engaged in by uh, Burisma. As a matter of fact, the criminal case had been started before me. It continued to expand. And Zlochevsky, who at the time held the post of minister and was the founder and CEO of uh, Burisma, started bringing in people who could provide protection for him. Hunter Biden was uh, among them. And the corruption network expanded as a result. So, yes, to answer your question, there, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that Burisma was engaged in illegal activities. Okay, Devin Archer so, said you were... A th- uh, yeah, you hear Brian Kilmey there talking about Devin Archer. Devin Archer was the business partner of Hunter Biden. And Devin Archer has come forward and testified to the House committee, the oversight committee that's looking into this entire ethical disaster. He has testified that, yes, indeed, they were selling the Biden brand. The Biden brand being the big guy, right? The big guy... It was sitting next to Barack Obama in the White House. And we know we've played the clip a zillion times that Joe Biden fired the, the gentleman that you just saw and heard right there, Victor Shokin, fired him, used his resources to do so, and threatened to withhold money from Ukraine if they didn't fire him. I Forgive me, I, I've misspoken here. He got the Ukrainians to fire him, and he was very, very proud of it, and said so in an interview with Richard Haas from the Council on Foreign Relations there. <laughs> Amazing, right? Like, uh, look at me. I told those guys, you better make sure. You better make sure that guy's fired. If he's not fired by the time I'm back on that plane, then I am not, the money's not coming. And then he said, what do you know? They fired the son of a you-know-what. Anyway, this is major, 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 major material that does need to be looked into. I do believe, actually, at this point, and I am not one to jump to this ever, ever, trust me. Like, in the beginning, I'm like, okay, let's just wait, let's wait, let's wait and see. But we are now at the point where we're not getting the right information. And when we do get the right information, we find out there's a whole cover-up process going on. Whether it be the 51 spooks that came out and said, no, this, this laptop, this is just Russian misinformation, when in fact the FBI was investigating it at the time. Or whether it's, oh, no, no, you know, nothing to see here. And they come up with some elaborate plea deal that they negotiate because somehow the Hunter Biden lawyers, including Chris Clark, threaten that Joe Biden is going to be put on the stand. So the DOJ and David Weiss, they fold and they say, okay, here's your plea agreement. We only find out that buried within the plea agreement was a little clause that would have prevented the government from going after Hunter Biden in the future for any illegal foreign lobbying he may have done. Thank goodness we've got some honest brokers out there And that judge, Mary Ellen Norieka, said, I'm not signing this. Is this even legal? So that whole thing broke down. But the fact that they did this, the fact that they, sometimes it's not even the crime. I mean, the crime seems pretty bad here. But sometimes it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. 
And so they're running around trying to cover this whole thing up and using their power and using their influence in really unseemly ways. This is something that was brought up in today's press conference with Corinne Jean-Pierre, who basically can't answer any question, certainly not this one, but listen to what she had to say when pushed. Can you guarantee that there is I no hear you, quid pro quo? I hear your quo? question. I'm not going to get involved in this. That is a question for Hunter Biden's representatives. Well, but we know that uh, from a Hunter Biden associate now that he sold the appearance of access to then Vice President Biden. Are you confident that he has stopped doing that? That is a question for Hunter. <laughs> the question for Hunter? No, no, no. It's not a question for Hunter. And here's why I know it's not a question for Hunter. Because if he is still selling access to the Oval Office, I'm sorry, that's a question for the Oval Office. Like, you guys got to do a better job locking the place down. Thank you very much. Karine Jean-Pierre, if you can't answer that, I'm kind of scared. You can't even say, no, he's not doing that. That's just a question for him. You see, there's been this whole thing because there was some fancy schmancy real estate person who bought a bunch of art. She was a donor to the Democrat Party, and she bought all this art from Hunter. And then she's like in and out of the White House like some 12 times. And so reporters are starting to ask questions, especially when she gets some nifty, nifty position as like head of preserving America overseas. People are saying, well, what, is it tied? Is it? Does she get the 12 visits to the White House and then the nifty position because she gave all that money to Hunter Biden for his art? We don't know. And apparently, <laughs> neither does Corrine Jean-Pierre. So doesn't that make you feel great? Doesn't it? Wow. You know what else makes us feel real great? It's the fact that you got, you got a DA down in Georgia that actually just set a court date for exactly when people are going to be going to the polls. Like in the very last weeks of the campaign, she wants Donald Trump to be on the stand there in her, her courtroom in Georgia. I mean, at least the federal case, they had the decency to say, okay, we're going to do it March, March 2024 after the election. But nope, not Fannie Willis. Fannie Willis picked September 6, 2024. Do you not think that that's just a little bit peculiar? Maybe just a little teeny, teeny, tiny bit peculiar. I mean, I get it. She wants to have some career of her own. That's what this is about. There's a lot of self-interest and there's probably a lot of pressure on her given all of these polls that keep coming out, these polls that show that Trump and Biden are neck and neck. I mean, none of this is very good news for Biden. Everybody keeps saying he's too old. He's too old. He's too old. That was the the headline out of the AP poll that just came out, but there's a whole series of them and they're like, they're really close. I mean, in one that you got Biden ahead by one point in the Emerson college poll, you get Trump ahead by quite a few points. I think about five points and he's been getting better and better in all of this polling ever since. Well, what do you know? They announced another indictment. It's like the more they do, the more he succeeds. Meanwhile, <laughs> speaking of success, he has earned some seven plus million dollars off of merch, off of merch, you know, because of this uh, mugshot, I do believe I showed you earlier. So this mugshot that people are totally all over is now printed on hats, on T-shirts, and they get the prisoner number there. And people are saying, ah, it's number 24. So he's making money for his campaign on this one. But back to the polling data. I think this is what makes so many Democrats really, really nervous because they just can't allow him to win, right? Like they, they, they did everything they could to break the rules before to make sure that he couldn't win in terms of those 51 former spies kind of 
big guys with lots of clout coming out and saying, oh, this is nothing but misinformation. I mean, at some point, it's like the little boy who cried wolf. You keep telling us that this is wrong and it turns out to be right, or this is right and it turns out to be dead wrong. Kind of like the dossier, right? Oh, you were so convinced of that. We had John Brenner and all those people, Brenner and many, many others, right, going on MSNBC nonstop. You had the, the conspiracy theories being threaded together nonstop every single night to entertain the American population and hopefully score a few Nielsen ratings. And yet it turns out that was all wrong. And so voters are like, I've had it. And that's why you're seeing him continue to climb in the polls. He is, I mean, barring any really unfortunate circumstance for himself, I think probably there's no way around this one. He is going to be the nominee for president for the Republican Party. Meanwhile, you look at some of the data and it shows you that even minority populations, specifically the black population, this is according to a new study, they are now increasingly supporting him. So take a look at these numbers this is according to a Fox News poll and some of their analysis. If you look back in 2020, he had about 8% of the black population supporting him. He now has 20%. What's that about, really? Other than we have such a lousy economy. Joe Biden made all the promises in the world. He has not fulfilled any of them. Inflation is through the roof. And you have people saying, okay, enough. Here is an African-American voter down in Georgia speaking out when all this was going down in Fulton County. If you have seen this, it's interesting to just watch again. If you haven't, take a look. I'm here to support President Trump. You want to know why I'm here to support President Trump? Because they didn't did black men like this for decades. Make up charges and put them so I know Trump is innocent. I support Trump against this corrupt, two-tiered justice system. That's why I'm here to show my support as a black man for Trump. And I'm wearing my shirt for Trump 2024, and I mean that. What do you think about the indictments? Oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it's going around the country. You know, Fanny, Fanny Willis, she's a, uh, she went to school with my sister. She's full of full of shit. So she's a puppet for the white liberal. That is controlling everything. She's in front, but the white liberal back there pulling those strings, telling her what to do. That's what I think about her, making a fool of herself. Do you think it's going to help his election? Of course it is. You heard that. He goes on to say, of course it's going to help his election. I think that, you know, the problem, it doesn't matter at some point, right? Like, we're going to get away from the whole skin color, like what, you know, sex you are, what... (laughs) you know, gender you identify with. At some point, like, we are all just human beings who want to have a chance, an opportunity for success in this world. And the best way to do that is to just open it up for everyone and not say, okay, we're going to give out little handouts for you and you and you, but not for you. And then, by the way, if you're, you know, part of that 1% that happens to be donating to my campaign and all my causes, well, guess what? We're going to give you a whole special system altogether. I mean, you think about... For example, I call it the fat cat tax loophole. That would be the private equity tax loophole, where these guys get away with paying a fraction of what any normal American pays in income taxes. It's insane. And why do they get to do it? Oh, because they are the biggest donors to both political parties, by the way. This is not to put it on one side or the other. I mean, we are a broken system. And you know what that man down in Georgia gets? He gets that it's broken. And he gets that it's not working for him. He gets exactly, exactly what Oliver Anthony gets, right? When Oliver Anthony talks about how he's getting taxed to death and it's just not working, good opportunity to play this song again. 
I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know. You get it? You see, this is so much bigger than color, sex, political party. What we are hearing universally is that people want to be treated as people. And to be treated as a human being, you need the right opportunity set. You don't want to be sending your kids to school. That was another one. Corrine Jean-Pierre, not willing to admit that kids' test scores have fallen under the Biden administration. I mean, at least own it. Yeah, okay, COVID was a disaster for kids and for a whole lot of people. And guess what? They didn't go to school. And some of them never got back on track. So own it and do something about it. Wages, real American wages, they have not kept pace with inflation under this administration. Admit it. Stop lying to us. Stop trying to divide us with all this nonsense. It doesn't matter. People just want a fair shot and they want opportunity and they want safe streets and good schools. You don't need to overthink it. And yet they do. Inflation's pretty bad. Inflation, uh, as I've said, up 16% from the day he came into office, Joe Biden, that is. But of course, what do you expect when he's out there pushing more and more and more money into our economy via the Inflation Reduction Act? I'll never, I'll never forget that one. I mean, that's what happens. This Inflation Reduction Act, which was so vital, right, for climate change, et cetera, pumped money into kind of all the wrong places. And he was proud of it. I signed the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act, the largest investment in climate, environmental justice, and conservation ever, anywhere, period. Yeah, great. That did everybody a whole lot of good. Look, if you're worried about inflation, as I am, you should think about a lot of different things. One of them might be the diversification of your investment holdings, and it might be looking at diversifying into something like gold, which tends to, over the long run, help you with inflation. So if you're interested in this, and I, I encourage you to at least consider it, give my friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com a ring. You can call them at one 589 Again, it's one 589 LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's the website. You can actually buy and sell gold and silver right there online. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you should think about. I do believe that diversification always, always is critical. But right now, inflation is still on the horizon. You did see Jerome Powell out there in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, saying, well, we're going to have to raise again. We're going to have to raise again because they have not been able to fight inflation. No surprise, certainly not to me or anybody who's been watching this show. Again, if you uh, are just joining us, I would love it if you could subscribe to the show. Just hit that little button in the uh, in the corner over there and make sure you subscribe to the program. We're here live every day, and you can join the chat. I'm going to get to some of your comments that I'm seeing right now in just a moment. But before I do, I did promise you I was going to tell you a little bit more about Bud Light, the company that has lost, what, 40 
billion dollars in market cap. That would be its parent company, Anheuser-Busch. AB InBev, as it is now known, large, large conglomerate. It's AB InBev because it was a Brazilian company, InBev, that merged with AB Anheuser-Busch, along with some Belgian company, I believe it's Belgian, somewhere over there in Europe where they're now headquartered. And so they have zillions and zillions of brands, one of which is Bud Light. And in recent years, in part because of the whole ESG influence, they really started to focus on how they could be most woke and therefore attract the investment of these big, big ESG funds, places like BlackRock, et cetera. And so they went on and they hired this Dill Mulvaney to do a little stint and push Bud Light. Very questionable on so many levels, including the fact that Dill Mulvaney's audience is extremely young and probably not even drinking age, something that, that Ted Cruz and Marshall Blackburn are, are pointing out and actually going after the parent company Anheuser-Busch for. Anyway, this uh, is apparently, you know, everything's fine with Dylan. Dylan Mulvaney just got some big award for content creator, like some big streamy award for like being super duper awesome at content creation and got up on stage. And I want you to listen to Dylan's rhetoric here because there's some talk of allies, which just sort of perplexed me. Like I actually just sort of like the, the, the hair went up on it all over. You know, I'm just like, what, what does Dylan mean? Allies. Because when I think of allies, I don't know, I think of like World War II allies. And it was just sort of a strange thing to say, in my opinion. I want to hear what you think. Here's Dylan Mulvaney accepting the Streamy Award. Oh, my God. Hi. You know, I'm really shocked because I thought the only award I would ever maybe win was maybe a Tony Award. But now I'm a musical theater gal with a Streamy. Theater TikTok, we made it to the mainstream. Uh, 532 days ago, I made a coming out video that turned into my Days of Girlhood series. And uh, my life has been changed for the better. Um, But on the flip side, there's also been an extreme amount of transphobia and hate. And I know that my community is feeling it. And I now know that even our allies are feeling it. And I look around this room and I just see so many amazing allies that have platforms. And I think allyship right now needs to look differently. Allies? And you need to support trans people publicly and, 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 uh, and proudly. And I think the trans community and the creator community actually have something in common. And it's that people often underestimate us. But I know that we can stay optimistic about just the future of transness in general, because if we can influence people to buy $22 Air One smoothies, we can also do this. Um, I just, I love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to go have a beer, and I love you. Uh, I'm sorry. It's, it, it, <laughs> right, let's back up for a moment. Allies, okay? Well, why not just say friends? Like, do you really, I, again, like maybe it's because I was a history major and I just can't help but when I hear allies, think about World War II. I mean, I do think that in Dylan Mulvaney's head, this is some kind of war. I think in many people say, and that's what's so tragic about it all, right? I mean, Americans are very kind, very accepting people. They're like, just don't, just don't like shove it down my throat or like shove it down my kids' throats. Or make me drink the, the beer that you're shoving down my, right? I mean, this is, I think Americans are just incredibly welcoming, empathetic, and like, you do you, 
I do me like all is good. But because it's become kind of almost like a reverse situation with almost a kind of bullying involved from the likes of Dylan Mulvaney, who refers to those who are on Dylan's side as allies, well, that's when you start running into problems. You also heard Mulvaney say that sales of, uh, you know, if we can sell these $22 smoothies, we ought to be able to sell a whole lot more. What is wrong with this world if anyone is buying a $22 smoothie? Do you see where I'm going? (laughs) We'll go right back to inflation, Joe Biden. Oh, you pumped all that money into the economy so that people could go buy those $22 smoothies promoted by Dylan Mulvaney. There's something really messed up. Nobody should be buying a $22 smoothie. A smoothie should never cost $22. And in terms of whether or not influencers like Dylan Mulvaney are really going to have an effect, I mean, I just got to say, look at the numbers. Look at Bud Light. Look at Target. Let's start with Bud Light. It just got more bad news today. So weekly sales came out. I told you last week, it's like in second place for the year to Modelo, Modelo, which is owned by Constellation Brands. So Constellation, an American company, they distribute, they own Modelo here in the U.S. And guess what? Modelo is like seeing all kinds of upside. Its sales keep rising. According to Bump Williams statistics, you're looking at sales for, for Coors Light. And Miller Lite as well, way up. Coors Light up 21.6% in the last week. Miller Lite up 18.5% in the last week. Bud Light down almost 30%. Anheuser-Busch, Budweiser down about 10%. So feeling a little bit of that leftover effect. But this is significant. So I know that the CEO is like, it was only one, one influencer, one campaign. Well, you know, look. That one influencer, that one campaign struck a nerve with the American people and certainly with your audience of Bud Light drinkers. They're not going to drink it again. You can't even give this stuff away. They've just tried giveaways on their website. Like you sign up, you give us your email, and we'll we'll maybe like give you a free football ticket. It's not working, guys. It's not working. The commercials aren't working. I do think, I do think perhaps the only thing, ultimately, perhaps the only thing that might work here is if you saw a transfer of the company, a transfer to to someone else entirely, perhaps to the family that originally owned it. You've got Billy Bush coming out and saying, well, you know, I'd take it. I'd buy it back. Here he is. Yeah, I think I think InBev doesn't understand who their core drinker is. I, um, you know, it's a it's a um, Brazilian based company um, that really doesn't live here in America. My family and family reigns. I talk about the history of my family. One of the things they did, they got out on trucks. They got out on, uh, they got out and met with their customers. They knew who their drinkers were. They were with the bar owners and the restaurant owners and the, and the liquor store owners and talking to these people day in and day out. Even my dad at 89 years old, 90 years old, he was still going to the bars selling Budweiser back in those days. Yeah. You know what? His dad got it. And he went on to say there that he would be willing to buy that company back and he'd love to get the family together. And he thinks perhaps they're the only ones that could do it. I don't know. It's possible that ship has sailed. 
the family did sell it for $52 billion. So I think there's going to be some people who are like, yeah, well, you know, you guys are the ones that like left us stranded, right? You sold it for that $52 billion. Now you're willing to take it back. I just don't know how this company recovers. I really don't. Target's going through a similar thing, although not quite as bad. But it tells you, it tells you the effect of all of this on the American people. And that's why even when they're threatening Donald Trump with jail time and they're putting out mugshots and they're putting his, his trial date to September 6, 2024, people are like, okay, no, I, I, I've kind of had it. Like, this is too much for me. And so the American people, I think the encouraging thing, and I say this a lot, is that we still have a voice and we will have a voice and we're going to continue to have that voice. Um, uh, a quick update on a little bit of sad news, although I would say I, I didn't actually realize that this gentleman was was still alive, which is probably pretty terrible, but you know he lived a long, long life. That would be Bob Barker. We're just talking about inflation. And I don't know, did you guys used to watch The Price is Right? I used to watch it and I'm like, if I were to watch it today, like I'd be so, I mean, I love going to the grocery store and just looking and be like, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. I went one day and there was like, a dozen eggs for some twelve dollars. <laughs> like what? Like were they were they just ha- were they just like laid right? Like did they just like from the farm? No, no, that's like a big commercial thing of twelve eggs for twelve dollars. It's out of control. Anyway, Mr. Bob Barker just passing away at ninety nine years old. Price is right. Remember this. Her total was four dollars and eighty one cents. How much is la sauce? A dollar thirty seven. A total of. $5.07, a difference of 26 cents. You win. You are oh. That was a good show. I, that's the second time that's <laughs> That was a great show. Remember, come on down. Come on down. Great show. And Bob Barker, a great talent and really just created just an amazing piece of entertainment. So a little nostalgia there for you. You can think back to the prices when, the, you know, something was actually worth something. You weren't paying $22 for a smoothie, right? Um, another bit of sad news to tell you about a gentleman who became kind of a, a cultural icon, if you would, in the conservative movement for a while during the Obama campaign, Joe the Plumber. You remember him? Joe the Plumber has passed away, 49 years old. But let me just just jog your memory a little bit because this guy got it much in the same way that I think Oliver Anthony gets it today, the musician who's come out with that wonderful song. Here is Joe the Plumber grilling Obama in Ohio back in 2008. Yes, sir. What's your name? My name is Joe Worsenbach. Good to see you, Joe. I'm getting ready to buy a company that yeah. uh, makes 200, about $250,000, $270,000, $80,000 a year. All right. Your new tax plan is going to tax me more, isn't it? Well, here's what's going to happen. The, uh, if you're a small business, which you would qualify, yes. first of all, you get a 50% tax credit. So you get a cut on taxes for your health care. So you would actually get a tax cut on that front. If your revenue is above 250 then... From the 250 down. So Obama getting all excited because he can show off a little bit of economics in this. Up from 250 to 300 or so. Well, here's my question. Well, reason reason I, I just want to answer your question. The, uh, so, the, uh, so for that additional amount, you'd go from 36 to 39 percent, which is what it was under Bill Clinton. Yeah. So the uh, and the reason we're doing that is because 95 percent of small businesses make less than 250. And so what I want to do is give them a tax cut. Okay. I want to give all these folks who are yeah, bus drivers, teachers, auto workers who make less, 
I want to give them a tax cut. And so what we're doing is we are saying that for folks who make more than 250, that that marginal amount above 250, they're going to be taxed at a 39 instead of a 36 percent rate. Well, the reason why I ask you about the American dream, right. Right. I mean, I've worked hard. I'm a plumber. Well, you you know, I, I work, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, buying this company, and I'm going to continue to work that way. Right. Now, if I buy another truck and add right. something else to it, and you know, build the company, right. you know, I'm getting taxed more and more. Well, you're fulfilling, you're fulfilling the American dream. So well, here, but here's, here, here's, here's, here's a way of thinking about it. Ah, oh, okay, so now he's going to just bore him to death here. But you know what? Joe the Plumber was onto something. In other words, there is a, a kind of policy in place right now, courtesy of Obama and plenty of other politicians, that effectively penalizes you from trying to achieve any success. It's like they want to keep you down on the farm. They'll reward you. For not creating a business. But if you create the business, what, they want to go and tax you some more? I mean, how does that make sense? President Obama went on to say, well, hell, I want to spread wealth around around the world. Like, it's all about, okay, let's, let's tax Joe the plumber a little bit more so that we can help Susie the bus driver a little bit more. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, Susie needs help, but so does Joe. So how do you figure this one out, especially when your fat cat friends yeah, are paying a lower percentage in income tax because they they crafted a different way and they've spent a ton of money lobbying for this junk. So they get their fat cat tax loophole. They call themselves private equity investors. And suddenly those private equity investors, they are paying a tax rate, these billionaires, that's less than that of Susie the bus driver. Right? That's not right. While Joe the plumber is paying more, just like Susie. So we got to have a more equitable system. And he was so smart to bring that up in a very raw and very authentic way there on the campaign trail. And so we wish him, we wish him all the well. Joel Rosenbacher, he 49 years old. He he just passed away. His son um, talked about how he he kind of got out of politics, <laughs> smart, smart, and went back into plumbing. And and so it was sort of this brief moment in time, but he struck a nerve with the country and it was an important nerve. And it's one that we got to keep talking about over and over again, because we got to create a system that's more fair so that people in the middle class have a shot at, at, at getting something more. They're not penalized for each little bit of success while the uber wealthy don't pay taxes. Heck, if you're Hunter Biden and you're making millions of dollars off of Romania, China and Ukraine... Yeah, apparently don't have to pay any taxes at all. And it takes years for the IRS to catch up to you. It's kind of sad. Anyway, I, I love having you guys here. If you haven't, please do me the favor of subscribing to the show. Seeing so many familiar faces. Abel, good to see you back here. Zach, welcome. Michael, Don, good to see you again. Craig, Alpha Omega Stables, good to see you. Yeah, look, I mean, the real world, when you talk about the money that most people make, it is still getting taxed by Uncle Sam or Uncle Joe in this case, and there's not a whole lot of incentive for people to keep growing because they're just going to keep taking more. That's a system that doesn't work. That is a system that encourages people to stay down on the farm, so to speak, as they say, wait around for a few handouts that maybe Obama might give you, or in this case, Barack, Barack about Joe Biden might give you, and, and, not, and not aspire to anything more. And those that are on the super-duper topple, they, they got it all worked out. Because they got all their buddies in charge and they can just, you know, pick up the phone and make a call and spend enough money. And what do you know? They, they have a whole different plan. So 
we got to fix this, ladies and gentlemen. That's part of what we need to do. And we need to focus as we go into the next and the next year here, the final stretch, so to speak. It is kind of a final stretch because if we don't fix it, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Please make sure you subscribe. I will see you right back here live on the show tomorrow. Leave comments below. I do read them all. I'll see you soon. Thanks.